This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. The following podcast is scheduled for one show. Introducing your host, Dax Xavier Josiah. As you are now listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy, it's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games, the come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, the come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, the come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, the come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah i am back and better than ever well i'm better but i'm completely healed of this cold i it's completely out of my system unfortunately my wife now has it so you know from sickness and his health and pass it on to you but nonetheless feel better babe we got a big show to talk about today. Like, I got a chance to see the Iron Claw, got an early screen into that. I was actually going to see it. <laughs> I was going to, like, impact my entire weekend because it's coming out the same time Aquaman is coming out as well. Well, thankfully, I was invited to this early screening here at, um, at uh, PA and King of Prussia. And uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you my pros and cons about it because as a avid wrestling fan um semi-historian if you will um i know well enough about the von eric family i've watched documentaries i've seen a lot of their matches from back in the day um they were one of the most popular wrestling families in history so much so that they had to have a movie you it was it was inevitable that somebody would make a movie about their life because if you know about the von eric movie i mean the von eric family then you know they were uber popular back then but there was a lot of tragedy that happened within that family it's like unlike anything we've ever seen before and we have not seen since and hopefully that will not happen but we're going to talk about that see if they were able to capitalize on 
that legacy? Did they get it right? How accurate was it, uh, in my opinion, be, based on what I remember and know about the, uh, the the family itself and the events that happened? We're going to talk about all that. So I am looking very much forward to talking about this. And, you know, people were swinging in the Oscar um, thought about this movie. We'll definitely talk about that. See if I agree with that. So that is our talk topic of the day. But we also got some really great news. Um, you know, some follow ups from the Game Awards, actually some backlash from the Game Awards. We're going to talk about in the next segment, but also um, some news coming from the Game Awards in the form of a second season of one of our favorite shows this year that was announced we also get to talk about some video game news as well comic book related of course and ryan reynolds beat the trolls to it so we're going to talk about all that but just in i just as i woke up this morning and looked online and saw an article on ign that enticed me enough that like we're going to talk about that right now so let's not waste any time folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. So among all the notes that I've gathered for this very segment, a new article came out that has surfaced uh, in the form of one of the members of the g4 uh generation two members gerard khalil also known as the completionist you guys have seen him on x play and other shows during the um the aforementioned second generation of g4 the uh disappointing g4 that it would be well this was always said to be one of the good guys of the industry still may be but He's come under fire based on some allegations of charity fraud against him and his family, uh, known as, you know, who put together an organization called Open Hand Foundation. Um, unbeknownst to me, I didn't wear this. Like, I've only known these guys because of G4. Like, I know these guys have a huge internet following, but I didn't know them until I watched G4. Like, all of them. The Black Hokage, all those guys. I didn't know um any i still think the black the name black hokage doesn't make sense it's like the hokage is just the hokage like it doesn't matter you could be anybody as the hokage but nonetheless <laughs> it's just i don't know cease to ruin it i don't know but i digress gerard is uh you know coming under fire with some allegation in his family i mind you are coming on out of allegations and he is responded back um i don't know how this happened but it is but let's read what's going on in g4 right now it is the temp they just updated this article and uh it states that jalil uh gerard khalil the youtuber known as the completionist has responded to the charity fraud allegations against him and his family family's open hand foundation and nearly 20 and in, in a nearly 20 minute video khalil has offered his response to the allegations of charity fraud embezzlement and forgery or uh furthermore the youtube video 
of the response includes relevant links backing up his claims, including a blog post from the Association of Front Frontal Temporal uh, Degeneration about the $600,000 donation it received for, uh, from the Open Hand Foundation. Dope, dope, dope. And he quotes, I'll just do a little bit. It's a long, long, long. I'm, I'm here today to provide clarity and transparency to the set and set the record straight. Uh, Khalil said, I want to make it 100% clear. At no point in the foundation's history was there any criminal or financial fraud. None. I also, none. I also want to uh, touch on why I've been quiet for all, uh, for at least a, a few weeks. A lot of folks have been saying that if I didn't do anything wrong, that I should have said something sooner. Uh, that's uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting one. Or that my conversations with the accuser was considered the full side of the story. But when there is allegations after allegations being made, it takes a long time to gather the evidence and facts uh, to refute that. I agree. Um, and here's the thing. Here's the reason why I agree with that. <clears throat> because even yes, he can openly say he can respond to it quickly, but it would be irresponsible for him to do so. <clears throat> because Khalil Gerard is not doing it himself. Gerard is working with his family or or other constituents within that organization that that uh, organization that he's founding. So even if he claims that he is not embezzling, he is not committing fraud. That does not mean somebody else in his organization may not so he can't say anything open-handed because he doesn't know he doesn't have concrete evidence that to back up his claim not yet so yeah you can't respond to this would he has to would he if anything he could have said i assure you this is not something that we are practicing i will investigate this but i think he went about it the right way he had to those who are questioning him about responding fast are also people who don't who who've never done this type of organize or uh, organized type of fundraising before and or just anything of that magnitude there's a lot of channels that you got to go through and stuff like this like when there's any type of allegations going on especially in this case when it when it pertains to you know allegations of fraud and embezzlement if there's more than one person in there, then yes, you have to, you can't say anything because if you stupidly say, we've never done this before in my life, we'll never, we've never embezzled anything in my life. I can guarantee it. But then you do the numbers and trust me, I've taken an accounting class. And the one thing that you learn about, um, one thing that you learn in accounting is the numbers don't lie. So if you go and backtrack the numbers, the numbers, if the numbers don't add up, that means there is a discrepancy in the, in the, in, in the account balance. And that means something has been extracted because the numbers should be exact. It's a science. It means it's factual. It means that it need, it, it's, it, it, it will absolutely calculate the same way every single time. 
So if something is being taken out of one balance and it doesn't match up, then there's a problem. They had to do the math. And once they go back into the account balances and look and make sure that everything happened, it, it adds up. So this is why it's stupid for anybody to ever embezzle anything from anybody's account because it will always, if you go back, even if you leech a little bit from time to time, unless you're planning to say like, I'm no, I don't want to advocate this, but say if you're planning to, to get a certain amount of money and you're planning to leave, don't get greedy, get that amount and you best be out. But a lot of people stupidly don't. And the results is they end up getting caught. I will give an example, an anonymous example. At a job I used to work at, one of my coworkers was found to be embezzling money for years. And suddenly somebody else looked into the books and noticed that there was some figures missing from their account from a particular project that, um, that an annual project that's being worked on. And this person that has been embezzling has been with the company for years and they turn out and even more that she, this person <laughs> had, this person had responsibility of overseeing all of the stuff. So it turns out somebody else looked into the books and started seeing some gaps and in, 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 in holes there where something within her department her, the projects in her department wasn't adding up and they started looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and then connected the person that was that had you know attachments to it and they eventually found out who it was and they eventually found out that this person embezzled a lot of money over the years and it accrued to a lot of money so <clears throat> that money that money actually came from you know it was supposed to go to charitable means and it ended up being in the pocket of somebody who should not have had it. So in this situation, much like this situation, if somebody's responsible for embezzlement or something of that nature, you can't like Gerard cannot easily just jump in. Whoever said that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. You cannot do that. You have to investigate because you're not only representing yourself, you're representing an entire team and the entire team has to literally be checked. Everybody's an investigation at this point because it's mostly not just everybody, but mostly the people who are more connected to the, to the assets, if you will. When I say assets, I mean the money. Um, when you, there's certain, there's not every, like there's tier of people that handle certain things. Mostly when it comes to whoever handles the money, you got to investigate them. You got to investigate that situation, see what happens and see if there's anything missing from the accounts. If there's something missing, then somebody, it, it, then you connect it to whoever has access to that, uh, to those accounts and question them and see it happen. Guarantee you, if something's missing, you're going to find that person because it's only a few people that are connected to these accounts and access to these accounts or have, you know, you who are in charge of handling those accounts. So there is no way. There's absolutely no way that they can find it. If there is a, an embezzlement situation, Gerard and I will find it. Um, 
Now, it is also possible that he is denying this and they may have all been about it. But according to him in this YouTube clip, he has all evidence, including the $600,000 donation that um, that it received from the open that they uh, gave to uh, an organization, the Association for Frontal uh, Temporal Degeneration, which sounds like something dementia related, which I think is awesome if that's the case. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 uh, it's really amazing because people we're, and I, I say this all the time. We are in a generation that are more proactive than I think we have been in years, but I think it gets, it, it gets out of hand. It gets out of hand with a lot of things and people like to nitpick every single little thing and accuse everybody for every little thing. And it, it's just, it, it's, it's so crazy. I'm not saying I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying that's what it is. So <clears throat> on his statement, where was I at with this? Um, he, he goes on to say, this will be my only video response of, on this matter. Well said, he's, he, I think he's doing the right thing right now. First of all, he did respond and that's great. It, he, the fact that he did respond and not run, I, I give credit to anybody who are who has some form of allegations and does eventually respond to the claims because i know i've known people who had who who's uh been accused of certain things and how they responded left me very skeptical about the thing if you stand up to your allegations i'm all for it Again, like I'll say this allegations of embezzlement and fraud. You need to take time to investigate the situation, but eventually you need to acknowledge it like he did. So Gerard did the right thing. Allegations, uh, uh you know, against sexual harassment or, you know, um, assault. You need to check. You need to address that immediately. You need to address that like immediately. And and I say that because, or even robbery, theft, whatever, all that, when it comes to criminal acts, you need to address that immediately. And, you know, announce that you didn't, this is not me. I will have the evidence. Trust me. I'm not even playing around with this. Like I, Jonathan Majors was not playing around. He's, he is to his credit, whether they, you know, he gets convicted or not, he is stood by and fought back. He didn't settle. He didn't immediately settle. He is fighting back because he believes in his heart of hearts that he did nothing and then on top of that he has been coming up with evidence but it's a big mixed bag on that situation but nonetheless he has legs to stand on i've known somebody who was accused for something for sexual assault matters and his response was that he ducks in cover and runs away he hides until the dusk is settled he hides until everything quiets down. That doesn't work with me. That is very telling. That is extremely telling. Not once did that person ever even voiced out to say that he didn't do it. That to me is very telling. Um, and then on top of that, there were some other things that left me very 
questionable about it. Something, some things that I won't mention, <laughs> but let's just say like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it left me very suspect to the situation to point out, stop, I discontinued my connections to them at all. Because I believe more of the victims in this case than, than him. Um, I am a person who was wrongfully arrested and accused of a crime I didn't commit. You best believe, and this is before social media. This was in the nineties. So before social media, right around the time that the, um, central park five was also accused for crimes they didn't commit either. And I fought back. I knew I didn't, I was anywhere near the vicinity that they were in. And I made sure I made sure to have all the evidence, proof, time, date, stamps, all that stuff ready along with thank goodness to my mom finding a lawyer that was going to that's going to be able to uh, back me up that believed that i was of my character and back me up that lawyer by the way was you know former uh mayor you know former city councilman david o who was running for mayor just recently by the way so um if anybody from philly <laughs> knows um, that name, he was running against Cheryl Parker and, uh, he lost, unfortunately. Um, I think I, I truly believe for means that I don't think he was, but I don't think people know David O enough to know what he truly is to that community. Um, regardless of his party, he's one of those guys that is like, yeah, he's in, he's in a party you may not like, but he doesn't act like it. So, and he's defended many people in my community for same similar situations of, uh, of uh wrongful arrest so you know shout out to him on that note but i will say this man like if you truly know that you didn't do it you will find means to your your natural instinct is that you're gonna fight back that you're gonna defend yourself your natural instinct if you know your heart of hearts that if somebody say you did this or you were you're responsible for this and you know that you weren't your natural instinct Though your facial expressions, everything, your 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 blood boiling to that point, it's like hell no, no, that's a that's preposterous, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this, and I'm going to prove it. <laughs> that's your 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 natural reaction is you're going to defend yourself because you know how absurd the situation. You're not just going to sit back and let them tell you what you know, tell them who you are. <laughs> you're not going to let them throw self fulfilling prophecies at you and make you believe that you did something that you're not no you're gonna fight back and you're gonna voice out and say no this is not this is not what i do this is not me so credit to him gerard did the, the, the he did the absolutely right thing he did the proper protocol of doing this right because yeah he cannot instantly go out there and say that because he he's not doing this by himself he has a team of people whether it be his family or other people along with them, pretty sure he might have a full team. But everybody has a part in a play in that organization. For anybody that's asked him why didn't he do it sooner, it's ridiculous. You, those who say that are people who have not been in that level to be able to do the things that he's doing. Because anybody who has know that you have to go through proper channels and a proper in a protocol that you have to do before you say something. He did in a full investigation to make sure that everything was in the up and up, that these allegations are true. So by the time he could get gather that information, he could come back and do what he did. And that's what he did. So 
you know, kudos to him on that note. Um, he does go on to say, I am disappointed that I was not more straightforward regarding the foundation's timeline for making donations in that I made statements, uh, potentially implying donations that were made when they had not yet been. He, he shot, the, he, he shot ahead basically is what he's saying. Um, it took too long to clear actions to occur and I apologize all of that. So the, he does admit to some form of mis um you know miscommunication and you know just jumping a gun way too often on some things that is that hasn't happened yet but such inactions was not done by selfish or malicious reasons so he also noted that the open hand foundation had been in contact with uh, organizations over the years that were potentially landing spots for the money but many of them wanted the funds not being restricted or came with extremely high administrative cost it happens it happens so um yeah man this is a this is this is a pretty bad beat um and he further states that and, and he states in the quotes i want to reiterate and uh specifically address that both the foundation and I have been accused of forgery, embezzlement, and charity fraud. The allegations imply the foundation forged tax returns because they weren't physical signatures on them when we e-filed them, when we e-filed them, that we altered numbers to hide income and expenses. You know what's funny about this? This is going to be something that's going to segue over to the um, talk topic of the week with the uh, Iron Claw movie, too. So, yeah, I'm talking to you, Fritz. Um, we can account for every single dollar received and spent in the last nine years. You have to, by the way, again, you have to have those numbers. When you have, when you open a 501c3 and you have a nonprofit organization, here's the one thing that you need to understand. And I'm going to check right now to see if this company, if one, if there's a website, which I'm pretty sure there is for this company, I would be surprised if it's not open hand foundation. Let's see, but yep. Here's the, uh, okay. Question untested according to open hand foundation yeah, logos. Okay. All right. So I will say this from my experience of working in a nonprofit organization, a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization, mind you. And I've worked there for a decade. There's some things that you need to have on your website to clarify, to confirm legitimacy on your organization. And one of which, oh yeah, it is dementia that they're working with. Interesting. This is a hope. This is uh, up my alley. So I, I, I do have some knowledge about this because the organization that I work for was a, um, Alzheimer's, uh, was the Alzheimer's association. So they are, their focus is on, you know, gathering funds for Alzheimer's as well. I don't know how much money they accrue, um, on, on an annual, but they actually, there's a lot to this. Here's the thing. What I am looking for is the donation part here our story benefactors one thing that's missing from this page that i think that should be evident here and they should note and let me look at this real quick 
there's a donate page contributors yeah here's the problem that i see with this page too if you go to the alzheimer's association uh page or you go to the alzheimer's foundation page or you go to any nonprofit page like it's like the big ones one thing that you always have to have and i tell my clients all this all the time if they have if they're doing something that is that is nonprofit or is 501c3 The one thing that that that, that um, donors will want to see and will feel comfortable about your organization doing is letting is telling them where the funds go. If you put a graph on your page that talks about where the money goes, what 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 percentages? Like the Alzheimer's Association, when I worked there, would have a graph in on the website because everybody we would get calls of people questioning. Where's that money going? If I donate to you, where's that money going? And we would have a graph on the website where it says certain amount of percent, a small amount of percent goes to administration. That will be the staff. Majority of uh, percentage of um, the donation would go, excuse me, would go to fundraising, would, uh, go to um, helping, you know, people, loved ones and families with Alzheimer's. Um, a certain percentage would go to fundraising so forth and so on so the graph the 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 page that the donate page is dedicated to making sure that you know where your money's going in there i don't see that in the open hand website um i'm looking at the pages on here and i unfortunately it doesn't come up at all there's nothing here for i think that's one thing that they should have done in this case, um, that is left out. That's maybe a rookie mistake on their part. Um, but you really, it's really, it really helps to make companies comfortable that you have that. So that will be one of the things. And that's why when you have, when you have stuff like that, you'll have less people having allegations against you or having doubts or skepticism against you on that. They need to add that on there. In, in hindsight of that, especially when it comes to Alzheimer's, because you're competing with the Alzheimer's Foundation, which is a bigger company than Open um, Foundation. They are going up against the Alzheimer's Association, which is a huge foundation, um, you know, association on their own that gathers millions of dollars annually that is associated with celebrities that is associated with other people like they are competing with other people. So, like, I don't understand why they didn't look at what they did and, you know, replicate some of that. So it it does leave a little bit of skepticism if anything it may not be in in a sense of fraud or embezzlement rather than just loose ends if you will so that may lead to the idea of people thinking like okay they're they're they're, they're embezzling whatever no they may just be screwing up the process they may not be doing everything that they're supposed to do to keep the engine running smoothly so um i don't know we'll see but this uh i hope i wish him the best i you know i like the fact that he is doing something dementia related i hope that everything works out i hope that he is legitimately doing this and everything is working out i hope it's just a matter of a misconception from people and again the people that are making accusations may not have all their information in but well, I'll keep my eye on this because, you know, I am intimately close by this and I've spent a decade 
of learning about Alzheimer's and dementia related situations and, you know, talking with people, befriending people who actually had Alzheimer's and other dementia, frontal temporal lobe uh, issues and what whatnot. So I am, I've, I've known some really, really nice people and I've lost some very nice people due to Alzheimer's and such. And I, you know, and, and, and also the caregivers and loved ones that suffer from that. You have no idea if you've never experienced any of that, you have no idea how hard that is for people to do. So I, I'm hoping for the best for, uh, for Gerard and the, uh, open hand, um, foundation. They just need to tighten up their, their, um, the deal. They really do need to tighten up and uh, especially because they're not the only ones doing this. And when you do that, you won't have this situation going on, but it it's growing pains pretty much right now. This is huge growing pains on them. So hopefully they can resolve this. And he has the, he claims to have the links to back up all his claims and nothing else will come of this. And this will just, they can continue doing what they're doing and fight the good fight because this fight needs to be fight. So if I, I hope that he, this is not true at all. So we'll see. So, all right, we got through with that situation, boy, G4, <laughs> that's, we could go back into one, one of these days. We're going to have to talk about that, you know, go back on what went down with, you know, the fall of G4. This is kind of continuing the path of G4 because he was a G4 member, man. Like it's just, it just, uh, man, this is just, this is a bad beat for them, but nonetheless, let's get on to some other news. Anthony Mackie at the game awards proudly, not only thanked fans, but also announced to them and surprised them that season two of Twisted Metal is officially coming. And I am so happy about this because the first season, the first season was just so awesome. It, I, everybody was skeptical. Anybody who's ever played Twisted Metal was very skeptical because it, it this series had a comedic feel to it. And I'm like, it's just, just going to be goofy the whole entire time. But we learned that it was, it was partially goofy, but it really did play on some really good dramatic parts of the movie. So it was it, uh, of the series actually. And it was a very enjoyable experience. It was awesome. So when the actor came out to present the category for best actor, he thanked the fans who supported the first season and made the, made uh, the great announcement. The first season was actually a prelude to the events um, of the game, focusing mostly on John Doe, uh, played by Mackie. The second season will focus solely on the Twisted Metal Tournament, and that's where things are gonna be. I, I, when we were watching it, we were watching this, and those, like I said, those who were, um, who played the game, were looking for the story of the game. We're looking for aspects of the story of the game. And they were weaving in hints of it. They were weaving in some people that we were familiar with in the game to be on here. And they were leaving some nice little crumbs leading us to what is inevitable. And Callisto has been shown on air, like other people has been shown. Of course, um, Sweet Tooth, you know, played by Will Arnett and vo uh, played, voiced by Will Arnett and uh, played by Samoa Joe, um, which I thought was awesome I, I i i was a little bit taken back because i know samoa joe can really do this role on his own i don't understand why they needed will arnett to do it um but it was it's a fun tongue-in-cheek type of thing i mean if you play the suicide squad even if you see the trailer with, with king shark because that's played by samoa joe 
he could you could easily see that he could voice that on his own so um i absolutely am so looking forward to this because they're gonna put in the work and they've already shown some of the contestants that are going to be in this tournament so i'm excited because now they're going to go balls to the wall crazy with this tournament and now they have such a great backstory following up with this with john doe and everything and i'm looking forward to this i thought they did a surprisingly great job they definitely deserve to be nominated at this year's game awards and um I, i'm just happy i knew they weren't going to win because the last of us just took everybody's soul <laughs> this year when it comes to that but they were it was great to be acknowledged as one of the best this year absolutely by far i will say i am i just realized i am really upset at the fact that tetris <laughs> was not nominated for any of the game awards and it, granted it was it was more of a docu it was more of a biopic but it's based on one of the greatest stories in video game history and it, I think it deserved to be nominated at least, if not, let alone not win. Like The Last of Us, and I think it's because it's live adaptation of a video game story. I get that, I so get that, but my God, Tetris was stupid. You know what's funny? I first learned, and I said this before, I first learned about this, the, the story of Tetris, the real life story of how Tetris you know, became from the original G4. And they, they did a documentary on this. And I wish I could find that documentary again. I really do. But like the Von Eric movie, it, it, I would say that the Von Eric movie and this is kind of like up and up, but I would definitely also say one is better than the other. Um, in terms of accuracy and, 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 and just fleshed out storytelling of the history. But I, I felt that it had some legs to stand on. I know it's not a live, live adaptation, but it is based on a video game. I just wish they got some flowers, some form or fashion for this Game Awards either. But then again, I wish a lot of things got flowers, you know, this year in the Game Awards and it didn't. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, you know, kudos. I'm looking forward to that and uh, definitely worth checking out. So Rock Steady Studios. Let's talk about them. They confirmed that the Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League that I just got finished playing the beta for and enjoyed will get an offline story mode, which means, which is telling that this version that we're going to, that we were playing was totally online. Um, and I don't understand why it's going to be offline eventually, but that's what they're claiming. So the studio behind the Arkham Trilogy spoke about the ability to play the upcoming game offline. When the game was first mentioned, Fans discovered that the new game will require gamers to be online connected all the time. This sparked anger among everybody in the gaming community. Uh, according to their official account on Discord, the company said that they are planning to include an offline story mode after the game's releases uh, in this Epic Yeti. Uh, which is their official account it says, in addition to the latest trailer, we will also have some news to share. We are happy to confirm we are planning to add an offline story mode that will give players an option to experience the main campaign without internet connection. We're aiming to add this update in 2024 and we'll provide more details when available. Okay, here's my thought to that. Okay, when that comes in, then I'll buy this game. I'm not buying this game until that offline mode was there. 
that's just i enjoyed the beta i thought it was awesome but if you're offering the offline mode i'm not buying this at launch i am not um because here's the thing yes you said in 2024 but you didn't say when and when you do that that's when i'll jump in i don't want to buy in it, 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 some of the things that companies do get on my nerves because they they just the stuff that they do like i could tell you behind the behind the proverbial curtains some of these companies the, the, the conversations that they have consist of them talking about us the target audience as if we're idiots as if we have some form of naivete and, and at the point we have there is a level of naivete that some people will fall for lately that's not the case lately fans have been a little bit more aware some have been more aware and cautious and they use critical thinking and then there's others that just whine about everything <laughs> and it's hard to really you know weed the weed the two you know out and separate the two to, um completely but nonetheless fans are no longer just fans they're consumers and they're thinking like consumers and that's a great thing um i will say that like i enjoyed the game like i said i already talked about it you know um recently on the select start video game podcast but i think when I, look my me personally if i was everybody i would wait until they actually get it offline mode on there because they can say that and you buy it with the knowledge that they said they were going to do it but we don't know when they were going to do it so how about like let's hold back until they actually do it when they give you an offline mode then you give them the money just plain and simple but unfortunately there will be people who are going to buy in because they don't have they don't understand the power of their word they don't understand the power of their choice the power of choice is awesome the power of choice is one of the greatest superpowers you could ever have and you could choose not to buy this and you will be okay they won't but in order for them to be okay they have to give you what you want and people don't have that assertiveness and business mindset. They, yeah, complaining online is not the same thing as being assertive. It's just complaining online. You can talk all you want behind the, the keyboard, but you need to be active. Part of being active is not giving in. Part of being active is, you know, showing what you write, not settling for which, like, you're not entitled. You're not, I'm sorry, you're not obligated to buy this game. You can put your money on other things. This is why it is so funny. When people were watching WWE during the Vince McMahon era, and they would support WWE, even though they know what they were watching was crap, but they're still giving them ratings. They're still buying their merchandise. They're still, and, and, and they made excuses all around as to why they're doing it. Oh, I'm doing it for, for, the, uh, for the, uh, the wrestlers. That's fine. I get you want to support the wrestlers, but it's better to support the wrestlers when you support, when you tell them that like, we don't want to see them the way, you know, do the things that you want them to do. We want to see them do the things that we want them to do. We want to buy in to what we want to see. We want to see a better product. We want to see you actually giving a damn like you used to. You can do that. You can stop 
watching, you could stop buying, and you could put your your eyes and your and your money onto another product. There's so many other wrestling products out there. You could go to AEW, you could go to MLW, you could go to TNA, you could go to New Japan. You could put all that same money, all of you. You're not obligated to be buying by the WWE. They have to do for you as much as you do for them. When you work at a job, you have the choice. When you when you get interviewed for a job, first of all, when you get interviewed for a job, they always ask you, do you have any questions for me? And they always tell you, if you learn how to you know, approach getting an interview for a job, they always tell you, you need to approach that job. Like they need you as much as you need them. Not you need them, they don't need you. So you have to convince them. Yes, you do have to convince them, but they also have to assure you that you're in a good environment. And if you don't start asking questions as if like you have demands, like you have, you're yeah, you're gonna come in becoming a cog and 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 you know in in the will. You're gonna be a cog in a system that doesn't have a say because you're not being assertive and showing initiative to that to the measure. So you have a choice to say okay. You're not putting it, you're not putting in offline mode immediately. When you do, I'll buy. Because they know they can. They're doing this because they know you're going to buy it. Because they feel they, a lot of a lot of ways, they feel like you're a bunch of drones. You're a bunch of sheep and that you're going to buy in regardless and you're not going to fight back. They can absolutely say, "Yeah, we're going to put in offline mode in 2024." They don't tell you when it could be all the way up to like December of 2024. And then it may not actually be, it may extend to 2025 and they made promises, but then you get upset about the idea that they did this in a lot of ways. You need to take accountability because you agreed to still buy it, knowing that they don't have an offline mode yet. So how about you be the stalemate and you say from a business standpoint, because this is a business standpoint. You should know, know your worth and show your worth. You're giving them money for something that you want. And I want an offline mode on this game. You promise in the offline mode in 2024, when that time comes, when you actually give a date of when that offline mode is coming, then we'll do it. You see what people are doing with AEW Fight Forever right now? They just issued out this ridiculous new season two uh, package and bundle which doesn't have virtually anything but a mode a character a, a, like three characters and that's it in a, in a new mode or whatever and then they charge 24 dollars to the people who already paid spent 80 and then on top of that there's another bundle pack that they're coming out with that has all of it season one and season two for all under one package so like what it does to everybody who brought the elite mode is that they made them feel like they're a waste of money if they buy in the, the, the new mode, the new bundle is about $89.99. Just $10 more than what people, what we brought into with the, uh, with the elite pack. And now if the people who brought the elite pack spend money on season two, which is 24, uh, $25, that means they're spending more than the people who brought that new bundle. They're being cheated. 
people are refusing to even you know humor this because one a lot of the stuff that we should have gotten in there we should have gotten for free that new mode those new we the the the, the game is lacking features the game is lacking if you compare that to wwe 2k and i hate the fact that we got to do this because wwe 2k 23 in comparison is like the game of the year in comparison to this game right now and i defended this game because i thought that they were going to do right by this game and give us the you know the features and not charge us every for everything that's coming out and charge us for a new mode are you crazy wwe 2k for the same amount of money that they that this game is charging us gave us match type after match type after match type and then on top of that added new match types in the form of war games plus a universe mode plus a gm mode all that for the same amount of money for virtually the same amount of money even for the base game just for the base game you get all that how can they justify that like we're starting to be more aware of the antics and the bit and the practices and structures of what these game companies are doing and it's making them look bad and i mean eventually they're gonna have to stop because this cash grabbing mentality that they're doing is is hurting them and i you know there's gonna be a minority of people who are gonna fall for this and just settle for it because they don't have a self-esteem enough to say like i can i i deserve better but it looks like the majority is staying like we're not spending we spend a lot of money on these games we spend a lot of time on these games it's time that we actually get our money's worth for these games so we'll see about that and by the way for those who are still hung up on frame rate and resolution especially when it pertains to the arkham trilogy can i remind you guys because i mean people are saying like and rightfully so like arkham knight needs some patch and he's a big sizable patch the other two are great i don't care what other people will say about it it's great it plays great I, from start to finish i enjoyed it um you see the grades i gave it to oh, just recently but i gotta remember something the arkham trilogy is three huge games two of them are open world games you got all three of those games that were 160 dollars a piece 180 dollars worth of gaming for only 60 bucks which means each game each of those batman games are only 20 bucks so how much how much whining are you going to do how much complaining are you going to do about a game that you only pay 20 bucks for per game you know and it granted yes arkham knight deservingly we need a patch up for that but at the end of the day it's a 20 dollar game for that we we only pay 20 dollars for that <laughs> to be honest okay we got two out of three which was great and i'm not saying i'm not saying we should settle for that i'm just saying like if i paid 60 dollars for that arkham knight then i would have i'll be pissed i would be really pissed um but at the end of the day i'm not gonna make a bit of all of it because one i think they will patch this up i hope they will patch that up um visual uh, visual presentation especially um it definitely needs a a freshen up especially when you look at arkham city and arkham knight which does flow a little bit better than that one does 
I think that was the, I feel like Arkham Knight was the reason why they delayed the game. And they're still probably working on freshening up. So I hopefully when they finally, when they give the first patch that is a big one and that it really fixes some of the things that are going on. Because I honestly, I really like playing it on the Switch. I am not one of those people who are hung up on, you know, needing the biggest, highest resolution or frame rate to enjoy a game. The game does, you do not, you can enjoy a game without it being 60 frames per second or because we had we played games in the past from playstation one two three four uh nintendo super nintendo you know what i mean <laughs> xbox all that without it we we've enjoyed some really great games that weren't 60 um 60 frames per second yes i get it if a game is 60 frames per second if it's 4k resolution that's fine I will enjoy it. I will play it, but I'll tell you this. I will enjoy a game that doesn't have that the same way. I go back and play rival schools. Doesn't have 60 frames per second. Doesn't have 4k graphics. I will play that game and still enjoy it. I could play uh, vir uh, virtual pro wrestling from Japan, you know, virtual pro wrestling two from Japan and enjoy that without having any of that. You know, there are retro gamers out there who are appreciating. I got a, I got a guy. I got a uh, guy that I know. He just got a Nintendo Switch. He also has gotten the, um, the Arkham Trilogy. He's never, ever played the originals before. It's going to be interesting to see. I can't wait till he actually plays them. I want to see what he thinks about playing those games for the first time on the switch i will i will bet that he's going to enjoy those games without even knowing that the games came from the playstation 3 era and that they like he's coming in on this he's not because he's not an avid gamer either but he travels a lot he he's an entertainer he travels a lot in the road and all the stuff and he just wants something to enjoy so he got a nintendo switch i guarantee you He's going to have an enjoyment with this game without even knowing that there's such thing as 60 frames per second or 4k resolution he's going to see that and be like damn this is awesome i guarantee i put money on it he's not going to sell me he's not going to tell me that arkham uh, asylum you know is glitchy or whatever like that he's going to say like this game is awesome i love this game this game is dope what he's experiencing is dope without even knowing what the hell 60 frames per second it is or whether it has 4k graphics the damn game looks great already it's subjective and it's superficial you don't need that to enjoy a video game you just don't otherwise by that sense among us would never have gotten the accolades that it has gotten because that game does not have 60 frames per second, nor does it need it. And it doesn't have high frame, it doesn't have um, high resolution graphics, but people love it. It became a phenomenon in its simplicity. I'm just saying, think about what really matters when it comes to gaming in this case, so. All right, in other news, going to comic book movie news here. Eddie Gathagi, if I'm saying that right. You know him, if you remember him playing in X-Men First Class, he played uh, Darwin. Dope dude, really great, really, really, really great character until he died. Well, 
thanks to James Gunn, this man gets a second chance at superhero. He will be playing Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Uh, Terrific. So Mr. Fantastic. Um, he's playing Mr. Terrific in the new upcoming movie superman legacy i did not know mr uh terrific was going to be a part of this and i think he is perfect for this role he looks the part and now he's even bulked up for the part he is bulking up for this role in this upcoming movie he's pretty much doing a reincarnation because this time he is going to be playing one of the coolest dudes in the dc universe mr terrific is just awesome i first you know caught wind of him through uh, justice league unlimited and realized how awesome he was he was also in injustice if i'm correct and um injustice 2 i believe and he was just he that's a that, he is dope and then furthermore if you watch arrow you know they added curtis in there as well and he was he was fantastic. i can't wait to see what he even looks like in this game uh, in this movie but Pictures have uh, surfaced in him being at the gym, getting ready for it, and he looks in tremendous shape. He is bulked up greatly. I, I, he's he's going to look tremendous in this movie. I tell you, I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm more excited now that I know that Mr. Terrific is going to be in here, and it makes and it intrigues me to wonder what this story is going to be based on if he's on a, if he's in this new series. So I am all for it. I am so looking forward to it. Check go out and check him out, man. He he looks awesome. So I, I honestly, one of my biggest negatives about first class was they killed him off. And it was at the time where like a, a black man couldn't catch a break in movies at the time. Still, even that during that time, it was like y'all had to kill the, the one cool black dude up in the whole entire thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn. And every black person who watched that movie, they all, they, they just got their whole their air was just taken away from from that point so i'm like oh this dude dope he can absorb different things he could do some cool things and then he died so and that was that saying he's been in other really great films and projects too but man come on when you're in a, when you're in a super uh in a comic book movie you know that's a big deal at the time um still is it should be but uh, you know what i'm saying it's like now he's gonna get he's gonna get his just he's gonna get justice now no pun so all right, let's talk about the Game Awards here. We got to talk about this because honestly, I didn't pay no mind to this. I didn't realize this, but when people started talking about this and I'm like, are they nitpicking again? No, this time they got legs to stand on. I didn't realize because part of what the problem was is something that I actually liked a lot, you know? So let's talk about it. The Game Awards is receiving a lot of flack, basically, about the time award winners got to do speeches as well as the presenters the presenters got a lot more time than the winners got to do speeches winners were told to wrap it up early to allow performers and world premieres to be presented on schedule there was a lot of world premiere announcements this year in addition to the interview segments and musical performances so ign did a graph and according to them or trailers, according to them, only 18% of the game awards were actually awards. That's, that is bad. And I will say this, as much as I love the world premieres, I don't think every world premiere needed to be in there. I think some of the AAA games, definitely, AAA games, definitely be in there. 
like the Final Fantasy 16 uh, Shadow Drop should have been there. The God of War announcement for a free DLC should have been there. Some of the indie games, no disrespect to the indie games, but I think they should have been pre-show. Some of that stuff should have been pre-show or, you know what I'm saying, like it, to allow more time to be. You know, you could do world premieres leading up to the world premiere stuff. I, and I think they should, I think next year, Jeff Keighley is gonna restructure this. Um, I, he's go, He's gonna hear the crowd. He's gonna listen to the people. Um, there was, I, I, you know, and, and a lot of this stems from the fact that Christopher Judge, who kind of threw shade on Call of Duty at the awards, um, he had an eight minute speech and it, it took them, took the time away from a lot of things last year, but they wanted to avoid that. But in doing so, they cut it down so vividly, um, incredibly, mind you. And one of the speeches, apparently, was a speech that, you know, was talking about one of the members of the development team or the or just the team in general, you know, dying during the COVID era because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these games were made during the pandemic and a lot of people have died in that development company while in, during the process of making this game. And while he was talking about this, the wrap it up music was playing and it was like, ooh, that's it's it, it, it really, it was, it was kind of tasteless. It was, it was distasteful. And then other than that, like I felt that everything else was great in a sense, but I agree they deserve more time. Um, go watch Alana Pierce's, uh, you know, view on it. It's really, she really, she, uh, as always, she always puts a great perspective on things. She has a lot of respect for the industry because she's been a part of it. Um, and she, she does say, it, you know, she makes great points about it, but yes, these people put in a lot of work into this and they deserve to be thanking everybody. Yes. Give them like three to five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Shorten those, you know, the world premieres, put those world premieres, you know, you have, here's the thing. You have the, 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 the preview show or even create a preview show on YouTube showing those deals in there. Cause a lot of people are watching it on YouTube. A lot of people are watching it on a lot of places. You can put all that exclusively on YouTube and show some of those world premieres. The other thing, the problem, the other problem I actually had was there was the categories that Jeff Kelly was just rushing. And I think some of those categories should have been better presented. One of which to me is the fighting game category. I felt like there was a time when fighting games got a lot more respect. At, at one point it was one of the hottest genres ever. Um, I admittedly it's not now because there's a lot more focus on open world games and, and other genres of games and adventure games um, that you could play now. But there is still something that, you know, we need to put some respect on fighting games because at one point it was Street Fighter, it was Mortal Kombat that really helped elevate the video game industry. So just putting them as a side, you know, category, even though I'm very happy that Street Fighter 6 deservingly won, I felt like they should have gotten some shine, a little bit more shine on there and other categories as well. Um, if you want, put the esports stuff 
in a preview. Like, it, like there needs to be, there needs to be some way to flesh this out. They need to do better next year. In that sense, I do agree. But as a person who does like world premiere announcements, I do get excited. That's part of the reason why I love watching the Game Awards. It is part, you know, Oscars, part Nintendo Direct in a lot of ways. And it is exciting to see some of these new games that are coming out. I just think that not everyone should be shown in the main show. And I don't look what Jeff Keighley has done is amazing. And I've stressed that out. It is amazing. And it's not easy for everybody to do. It's not hard. It's it's really, we could easily talk about what they can do, what they can't. We still don't know what's going on behind the scenes that led to the decision of them doing what they did here. They can restructure it, but they also have to, you know, they did the game awards work with sponsors. They work with, you know, other people. They try to get celebrities in. I had no issues with any celebrity being on the show. And I think that's something that Alana Pierce had issues with. I don't have as much issues with it because again, I go back to the Roger Ebert discussion that, that the, the article, the, uh, the, the editorial article that I have issue with for years, uh, with Roger Ebert that said video games wasn't art. He did. He, he was very uppity about the idea that video games wasn't at the level of you know hollywood films but now we have a-list actors who are playing in those hollywood films now representing the game awards and i think that is a celebration that now granted i do think some little bit more respect to the gaming industry should be there and yes a reggie fils could be a presenter a phil uh spencer could be a presenter as well i think they should but i think you could just intertwine both maybe not Tim timothy charlemagne but maybe somebody who is an avid gamer like I didn't mind. I like Simo Lee talking about the games that he grew up playing. You know, um, I didn't mind Anthony Mackie doing what he did. Um, I didn't mind that at all, but I, I think they do. There should be a balance of that, but having that type of star power represent the game awards as a kid, there was a time and I, I, I'll go back to what I talk about with the, um, with the superhero movies, the comic book movies. There was a time where actors would turn their nose to that type of genre. They were turning nose. A, 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 a Al Pacino would not be seen anywhere near anything like this. And he came in last year and represented Robert De Niro. Guy like that would never be in a comic book movie, but we saw him in a Joker because he read the script. He was like, I'm all for it. The script is awesome. This is a Oscar winning script. And damn, if that movie did not get an Oscar in some form or fashion, we got comic book movies now being done by a list Oscar winning, you know, actors. So in hindsight, we need that type of support. We need that acknowledgement from Hollywood showing that there is a cinematic, uh, cinematic value to the video game industry that Roger Ebert seemed to never understand and never lived long, long enough to really experience how wrong he was to that and how much he could find it. Like if he was still around him and Gene Siskel was still around, maybe they would look at it like, okay, I was wrong. And maybe they could have like at the movies could have been like, you know, at the arcade as well. And they could have started, you know, reviewing 
the the video game scripts like it's no different we've it we've assimilated both genres together now so having a-list celebrities like keanu reeves and all those guys and to, to be a part of this to support it because they were once they were gamers they are gamers or they were gamers growing up that shows support we cannot we 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 cannot you know um take that for granted we can't we cannot we have to work together to create art we have to be a palette of colors and hues to create something beautiful and having those guys there, I think, and, and look, if unless at least have people there that respects the genre, I will say that have people there that respect the genre that will work. I wouldn't just have anybody there. Like there were, there were years that Jeff Keighley would have celebrities there just for having celebrities there. And they would do their lines and speeches and whatnot and wouldn't know what the hell they were talking about. And it just looked awkward. It just came off all where like they didn't really want to be there. Have people who absolutely want to be there. I think this year, the celebrities that they had did want to be there. And that's fine. Matthew McConaughey, he was a part of a game. He he did his part really well. He embedded, he assimilated himself into that world and made him feel, feel like he was a part of that world. So I didn't mind the celebrity aspect to it. Uh, I think I agree with her to an extent that like you could have the Phil Spencers and the Reggie fils -Mays and all those guys in there intertwined with them or even having both of them do a dual pre presentation. Mind that either. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Um, I, I think there absolutely could be a balance to this and that's what it's going to come down to. Jeff Keighley trying to find a balance that will please fans, that will please the sponsorships, everything. I think he'll do it. This is one of those things, not everybody's gonna be perfect. And guaranteed, everybody who's complaining or voicing, I guarantee you have the same dilemma going into and putting it, going into his shoes. It's not that easy to just talk about it. It's very much harder once you're in that position. Not, a, I guarantee you, not one person. And then on top of that, for him to be able to pull off what he did, is unbelievable so let's not take that out of consideration either so we'll see how it goes next year but yeah there definitely needs to be changes um and balances that needed for that as well so real quick those who are looking forward to rubble moon on netflix well you got a surprise the, the movie is being released earlier than expected it will now be released on the 21st at 7 p.m i believe this is the it will be competing with Aquaman and the Iron Claw, which also be released that weekend as well. So you are looking forward to Zack Snyder's brand new uh, Star Wars-esque type of uh, film. It's coming. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. All right. That's thing I want to talk about. Something I think is very hilarious. Ryan Reynolds is in production of Deadpool 3 and he wants to, you know, beat people to the punch. And I think he did. Ryan decided to get ahead of the social media get ahead of social media by leaking photos from the set of production of um deadpool 3. some of the photos are just hilarious i don't the thing is i don't know if they're real i don't know if they're real first of all this is a marvel studios project and marvel studios has a way of doing things to throw people you know throw people sent away to another direction but these photos 
included sightings of Hugh Jackman in the blue and yellow Wolverine gear, which I think is, it looks cool. Um, and I, that is legit, but the predator makes his appearance in one Deadpool holding a bag of money while Mickey mouse behind him clapping is another one. That's the one I'm questioning. Another pic shows the appearance of Steve Urkel. That one to me looks very photoshopped. So I don't know what's going on with these, with these pics, but they're hilarious. If they're in there, that's awesome. I, it is Deadpool. So it is very possible that Jalil White may be making a crazy appearance of Steve Urkel in the movie, but it could be photoshopped too. So. I don't know what's going on. We'll see what happens there, but I'm looking forward to this coming out in 2024. It is going to be awesome. And how they're going to intertwine this into everything that's going on with the multiverse saga is going to be very interesting. So we'll see folks that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back. And when I do, we're going to talk about the ins and outs of the iron claw, the biopic celebrating and telling the story of one of the greatest and most tragic wrestling families ever. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Folks, we're back with our talk topic of the week, and this is my review of the Iron Claw. Uh, I got a chance to see an early screening of this. I got to say, overall, I am very impressed with how well they did on this biopic. This is starring Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White from The Bear, Harris Dickinson, uh, and a host of others. And I thought that they did a really good job with this, albeit not perfect. And we'll discuss the pros and cons of what I thought with this. I, as a wrestling fan, have known about the Von Eric family since the 80s. You know, um, also grew up around a time when the tragedy happened. This is one of the greatest stories told in wrestling history about one of the greatest wrestling families in history and also one of the most tragic stories in wrestling history. Um, before there was a Chris Benoit, there was the... Von Eric family and the things that has happened with them and the infamous Von Eric curse or whatnot. And they told a really good story and albeit really fairly accurate, albeit rushed a bit. Um, there is so much story to be told about the Von Eric's that couldn't be told 
within the course of two hours and 10 minutes. I felt that this, 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 um, movie could have stood for at least three hours to try to flesh out a lot of things. But most of all, I thought they did a really great job capturing, capturing the feel and love of that family. Also the spirit of that era in wrestling. It was the territory era of wrestling. The sportatorium was a big deal back then. And that area of wrestling and everything that was going on, I thought they did a really good job capturing uh, the love that the brothers had for each other, the family and partially some of the things that the father Fritz von Erich was doing at the time. Fritz von Erich is the father, former legendary pro wrestler himself. He raised a bunch of kids to be in the industry himself, but consider him the, you want to consider him as wrestling's version of Joe Jackson. That's the best way to really really uh compare and then in fact when you really think about it, devon eric's themselves you could consider them the jacksons it, you know they're, they're the wrestling's version of the jacksons except joe jackson as abusive and strict and stern as he was he never got into a situation where he calls jermaine tito randy michael and all of them to want to commit suicide or go through all these things and these guys and then Jackson's never got into a situation of drug habits. Well, we know Michael did later on down the line. Um, but it never got into that situation during the time when, um, you know, Joe Jackson was around, but he raised in somewhat, some people may argue a little bit too hard, you know, these guys, especially when it comes to Mike, the young, I believe the youngest son, um, you know, he raised him, you know, too much because he wanted to he wanted to prove that he was the best and his family was the best in the industry. And he felt like the, you know, Sham Mushnick, who was like the head of the NWA, was trying to hold them back. And they came up world class championship wrestling and they wanted to, you know, prove that they were the standard within the NWA. So he pushed his sons so hard, you know, during that time. And I tell you this. The writer and director, Sean uh, Durkin. I don't know how much of a wrestler fan he is, but he, I felt like he really did do a good job capitalizing on some of the great moments in wrestling history, especially when it came to um, the rivalry with the uh, with the Freebirds and all the stuff. So, they, you know, some of the most pivotal moments of the Von Erich's history came in. However, I, I will say this again. While they did put those moments in, I felt there were some points of it where I felt like it should have been fleshed out more. So let's go. We're going to do the pro and con thing here because we're the, the pros and cons will make you understand what I think of this movie and what uh, uh, overall I'm going to give this movie in terms of a grade. So let's start with the pros. The pros to me was the great casting of the main uh, stars here. Um, Zach Efron as Kevin Von Erich. Boy, did this man, he's already in, in, in fantastic shape and he's a very handsome dude. He's, he, there's no doubt. This dude is considered one of the hottest dudes in Hollywood and he played Kevin Von Eric and he almost looked like damn near He-Man in his deal. Like Kevin was that big. Kevin was a big dude 
Kevin was a big muscular dude, albeit not as handsome as Zac Efron, but they made it work. And he played that role and he really embodied Kevin Von Erich so well. I think all of these guys have a better respect for the wrestling industry more than they've ever had before. It was incredible what they have done um, in, the, in this whole thing. So um, Jeremy Allen White played Carrie Von Erich, one of the Von Erich favorites, if you will. And, you know, the Texas Tornado, if you will, from WWF. But um, he looked really, I love when he, they entered him in. When he did his introduction, because I'm like, where's Kerry at the time? But he was, you know, training for the Olympics. And I love his introduction in there. Um, I, he also felt like he played that role really well. If you've grown up watching Kerry Von Erich, um, I, you know, I thought Kerry, I thought um, Jeremy really embodied him really well in this, especially during the more tragic uh, section of his life in this movie as well. Harris um, Dickinson played uh, David Von Erich, the Von Erich that was supposed to be the one that they were, he was, he was actually the one that was supposed to be the world heavyweight champion, but came under some, uh, some health issues um, that led to his death in Japan. And that really, well, their younger son is young. Uh, the younger son is the one that really, really kind of started off the quote unquote Von Eric curse, if you will, um, with that. But David was the one that was supposed to be, you know, he was supposed to tour to Japan because the idea is to tour Japan to get himself a reputation before he goes after um, Harley Race or Ric Flair or whatnot. And it didn't turn out that way. Unfortunately, he was suffering from some issues that actually, from what I understand in the documentaries of the Von Eric's, uh, both documentaries are like, he could have, they could have saved him had he gone to the hospital this is a lesson to everybody who denies going to the hospital especially guys because we were we grown up with the mentality with the ideology like we need to toughen everything up no you feel like you feeling messed up you go out and get yourself checked if you watch this movie go read this is a reason why we have the technology to heal us to cure us go do it part of manning up doesn't mean like you know denying you know help in this case Part of being a man is admitting that you need help. So, and that wasn't the case during the eighties. That wasn't the case, especially because Fritz von Erich grew up, you know, to thinking that, you know, you had to be tough and you can't cry and you couldn't do this and that. And it was like, that was the old way of really thinking. And I will tell you, man, um, speaking of Fritz von Erich, Halt McCullany, if anybody I could say, that has played the role to, to the T. I thought his portrayal of Fritz Von Erich, even visually, he looked like um, Fritz. He sounded like Fritz. He looked amazing. He sounded, he played that role. So to a T. Um, I love how the, the the movie the movie began because it began in black and white and it, you know, talk, it showed Fritz as a professional wrestler. Fritz was, he, I believe he was supposed to be like a German character in the beginning. And he, uh, I even, what they didn't, I believe, I could swear, I could look back, but I believe he lost an air. He lost an air during one of his fights, um, during one of his uh, wrestling matches. And it led him, cause he was a, it led him to becoming a villain. 
I think he was a baby face at one point, but it led to him being a villain when he something happened in a wrestling match or something like that. And he just became a villain for that for that portion. And he used to do the claw. The claw is supposed to be like, you know, this submission hole that, you know, is supposed to be so devastating because it's your hand. His hand is big and it basically has the strength of crushing your your head. Um, nobody uses that anymore. And it's, it's really sad that they don't because you got to have somebody that's believable. Like usually big, tall wrestlers can pull that off. And if somebody has a strong, like back then when Fritz was wrestling, you just had to be, you just had to come off as tough. Like you may not have had the masculine, muscular look of a Lex Luger or, or a Fritz or a David or Kerry or Kevin Von Eric, but you just had to look tough. You had to be tough. You had to be convincing because not everybody in wrestling back then had that physique that was like, woo, this dude's about to, you know, he's about to lift up the entire ring on with one hand. No, these were just tough guys that, you know, were in shape and they were just doing their thing. Fritz was one of those people, but, um, I thought he, he played him to a T. I will give my cons about this situation as well with his portrayal. Um, and when we get to the cons part, Mary, uh, Tourney, one of my, I, I, I really love the fact that she was in this. I've always been a fan of her dating back since news radio. Um, and I know she played on ER and played on other things too, but she played, um, Fritz's wife. And I thought she did a great job here as Doris Von Eric and you know how she handled the kids and how she, you know, you know, work with Fritz and how does the, the mental anguish that she was going through losing her kids every single time and how it affected her and it was just it was um she she really knocked that out that portrayal i really felt her anguish i felt her pain throughout this entire thing i thought she did great here um you also had you had some appearances some really awesome appearances too um from, from familiar wrestling faces here you had let me see oh wait I, before i even get to that then we had stanley simmons who played mike von eric and this was to me the most tragic of them all um if you know the history of the von erics uh, mike was the youngest i believe and mike didn't have the agility and, and physicality or um you know abilities that his brothers had he had other talents that he can factor but they didn't care about his musical talents they only cared the fact that he was in the family business and he couldn't live up to that he was he was he developed depression because he felt that his father put too much pressure on him to try to be as good as david or any of the other brothers and he felt he couldn't live up to it and when he tried to after the death of david he this is and this is all true story this is all real this everything that, I, that i'm saying everything that was seen in that movie actually happened in that ring you can't make this up like it's just it was their life was made to be told in film like this um uh, it, because it was just so surreal that all this was happening behind the scenes but he did go into the ring he did actually um injure himself and he did get into an operation that was supposed to be, you know, a simple operation, but he ended up falling into a coma. 
and when he got back he was not the same and he developed some uh mental issues that led to him committing suicide on himself as well like anything there is no spoilers in this movie I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this now. There's no such thing as spoilers when it comes to the Von Eric movie because there's documentaries on the, on this family. There's two really good documentaries on one of which I will I will give credit to is by WWE. The other one is the Heralds of uh, I believe is another one based on the Von Eric family that Kevin himself was on uh, did especially um, during the same time when they were coming out with this one and like they're both really good i highly recommend going to find both of them it is one of the most surreal stories i've ever seen in, in, in wrestling history to this day um and you had you know bill mercer in here as well played by uh michael harney and he sounded he did a really great job too then you had some familiar faces in here um that play some really interesting roles. If you're a wrestling fan, you would recognize him immediately. One of which is Ryan Nemeth, who is the brother of uh, Dolph Ziggler from WWE, but he's in AEW. He played Gino Hernandez in here. Um, you had Chavo Guerrero, who, if it's anything, if it's a, I love what Chavo's doing. Chavo Guerrero is part of the illustrious Royal Guerrero family, you know, mondo you're talking eddie guerrero the the greatest of them all undoubtedly the greatest of them all uh hector guerrero as well and chavo is keeping the legacy in a different way he oversees everything involving wrestling when it comes to cinematic movies or series um he was a part of the choreography and in, in, uh, consultation for the uh netflix series glow um I believe he had some take on the wrestler as well you know when it, that movie came out uh and then he's now part of this one he over you know he was behind the scenes on this one as well as he played the sheik as well and he bulked up majorly for this one too so i, I immediately recognized that it was like that's chavo playing the sheik and skandar akbar was on there too i thought that was dope so they did a really good job there the actor kevin anton i'll give him credit this dude played uh harley race and i thought he did a pretty good job uh doing harley race he he looked he actually did look like harley race he had the rugged you know deal so when he when he played the role and he did this you know part of the part of what was great about the um the movie who is that they were also covering some of the most pivotal moments in world-class uh championship wrestling history some of the most memorable promos that was done by harley race or rick flair and we'll get to the rick flair part in a minute that that that's a whole discussion on its own um but they you know got the back with those deals and and also the von erics too some of the most memorable ones there and that was another thing too they were capitalizing on the idea that kevin had a hard time doing promos but david uh and carrie did promos really well so that kind of hindered him from being able to be one of the best wrestlers in the world because if you can't talk on a mic but you're a great wrestler you kind of still being half that half the um the package you're not the total package if you will so eventually fritz kind of gave the ball to carry or david to that matter and they end up becoming what kevin wanted to be but couldn't and there's all sorts of things happen to that nature so um 
it was just it's uh it was such a thing with that but harley harley race kevin kevin anton's harley race was really well done i thought he really did a great job casey lewis um sarah Gani, gano i believe is pronounced uh played bruiser brody okay that dude i've never seen this dude before he looks like bruiser brody but he looked bigger than bruiser brody like bruiser was a big guy but not that big like this dude this dude was balked up like he played him he, he this dude was a monster like bruiser was never this big but he you know facial facial wise the beard and the hair and all the stuff instant instantly bruno this is like this is like um this is like bruiser brody if he you know on, on on steroids or even just he he took the symbiote from um from eddie brock like this dude was huge but he did look the part um so the cast i thought was great and did i i would be remiss if i did not mention mjf who is the executive producer of this one of the executive producers of this movie and he got the credit because he i you know when i was at the screening i you know we were talking about that and turns out he had a lot of say in what went on in this movie and then he got a small little easter egg appearance as uh lance von eric and that is going to lead into a lot of the things that i will talk about in the cons section so i thought the all the presentation of it all was authentic the way they filmed it was really well it really made you feel like it was the 80s um it didn't feel it had that little grainy smoke you know smoke um smoky arena type of feel to it and i thought they did a job capturing the 80s feel to it like capturing some of the great moments of wccw in there which is well so all right let's talk about the cons here so we talked about how great um fritz was in this movie and how great the uh you know the portrayal was of fritz was in here um holt mccallany really did a great job here so great that i wanted to see more and i felt because of the role of fritz it needed to be they didn't while well, he did a great job and especially convincing rest, hardcore wrestling fans that this is he is fritz von eric I don't think that the movie truly capitalized on how conniving Fritz was to do the things that he did. Like they were, they left out a lot of things. If you learn, know about the history of Fritz, he, he, he did some carny things. I mean, he kind of showed it a little bit because you know, at the beginning he brought, uh, there's going to be a scene where he, um, there's going to be a scene where he does some things where, um, he has to keep up, you know, the, the deal with the business. So there are some things that Fritz has done in the industry that will truly make him, that will truly vilify him if they put it in the movie. If you learn the history, if you know the history of Fritz von Erich, you know that he did some things that people like fans did not agree with. And I felt like they didn't capitalize that enough, but they did a little to so like, all right, he's not the best father in the world, but boy, they, they, that this movie doesn't even scratch the surface of what Fritz has done, especially when it came to the death of his son, David, and how big of a deal that was back then. 
and he tried to capitalize on that too i wish they would have put that on there i wish i would have seen that because i think that right there that moment right there would have absolutely really put him in a villain status i don't know if if kevin didn't want to vilify his father in that way and they respected that or whatever like that but he did some crazy things not only to just the family but to you know just in general you know he wanted to book the best and i get that but the way he went about it was just some of the stories that they that have been told over the years about him it's just insane and the way he treated his kids was slightly insane as well like in his heart of hearts he felt like he was doing the right thing but it just came out so wrong and he's probably he's to this day never probably admitted that and when your fathers at that time they don't mature enough to, and grow enough to see what they did now we are now a little bit more developed and mature about these things and can take somewhat accountability for the actions of how we treat you know the next generation of youth because now we're we're realizing how much of a, an effect that adults and let alone parents have on their kids and how this like this is a great movie that will tell you please be careful how you treat your kids what you say to them how you treat them whatever like that because you never know how you what you do affects them you know you put too much pressure on a kid things can happen we've seen that happen many times before that's why the term helicopter mom is a is a thing you know and and and, and dance moms and all that stuff like you those kids in those competitions there's a lot of pressure being put on them you know it, it's it's just really sad this was one of those cases so that was one of my issues and one of my cons i felt like another hour of this movie or another 50 minutes of this movie of this two hour and 10 minute movie would have actually i think would have been best used to flesh out how really abusive fritz was to them and the things that he was really doing behind the scenes especially during the time when david his um you know david's death and how he was trying to capitalize on that so and then on top of that the lance von eric situation which we'll get to as well so the other thing is yeah let's now let's get into it like we're talking about the Lance Von Eric uh, part of it, uh, which MGF played on air. Some of the things in this movie felt rushed and it was like they rushed it to get over to the other side of the film. Some things I felt like they could have capitalized or focused on. One was the death of Mike. That I felt like they kind of rushed that a little bit. Carrie's bike accident leading into him, you know, leading to the amputation of his leg. I felt like that was rushed and I, that could have used a few more minutes of, you know, really getting into the impact of that. It's just, it just like he rides his bike and then next scene, he, it, we don't know what the hell happened. You know, I felt like they could have, you know, emphasized on that a little bit more with that. And then yes, the appearance of Lance Von Eric played by MJF, which we got to see. Here's the problem with that. For those who understand the Lance Von Eric situation, and then you're wondering like, who the hell is Lance Von Eric? You mentioned all these other brothers. Who the hell is Lance Von Eric? Lance Von Eric was a fictitious brother that was created by Fritz. Again, this is one of the things that they didn't focus on and I felt like they missed the ball on. 
like another hour would have like put a few minutes into this scene like why do we have fritz von eric well, i mean why do we have this lance von eric why are we getting a fictitious brother to fill in the gap because lance von eric came right after i believe mike died and committed suicide or whatnot and they needed because of the, the the popularity of the von eric's family they wanted to fill in another brother so they got this gimmicky they got this gimmick where this wrestler who was not affiliated with the von eric's at all but they made him to see like he was actual brother almost in the same fashion where arn anderson and ole anderson became cousins or whatever like but arn anderson um was not an actual brother or relationship to Oli. Um, it just so happens he just looks like Oli. So they just made them two brothers or whatnot. So, but this Lance Von Eric came in and he was a whole nother wrestler. I forgot his real name without not. But he was just totally the worst and he started taking liberties with the come. So they showed a clip of that. So if you're a hardcore fan, which I think this movie is more geared to because there were some things, part of the rush scene if you're a hardcore fan, you know exactly what they are. If you're not and you're looking at this movie and you're trying to figure out what is all going on, it's not fleshed out or explained to the casual fan or the non-wrestling fan that just wants to watch a good dramatic biopic. You wouldn't understand what's going on. You wouldn't understand the significance of that scene. And we knew, we all of us that were in there, like me and my colleagues and friends and everything that was in the, the screening, we knew what that scene was and what that they were, that that whole thing could have used like five minutes of a scene or even five or ten minutes of a scene to figure to really flesh out who is lance von eric they didn't even mention the name they just went through this whole thing and we're and, and, and like non-wrestling fans or non-wrestling fans of that era or even wrestling fans of this era who may not know about the von eric family of that era will look at that and not understand what was going on with that scene they just showed a brief showing of kevin teaming up with lance and that's it and i'm like why did they not capitalize on that because that right there was something that fritz von eric came up with despite the idea that it kind of puts a bad look on him and how he's booking and his family and the disrespect that they have for the fans and the family, but they didn't capitalize on it. I, I, I thought that's where they dropped the ball. So like, and it'd be in the first part of this movie and in the last part of this movie, it's gold. But here it kind of fell off to me because you know, any contention of Oscar winning part, I think kind of fell off based on the middle of this movie because they're trying, they're doing all this thing. And then, then on top of that, we get the appearance of Ric Flair. And that's when things just became hilarious because the Ric Flair scene, let's talk about that before we, let me see if I can find, get him, Rick. Here we go. <clears throat> An actor by the name of Aaron Dean Eisenberg was picked to play the role of the nature boy, Ric Flair. In a very memorable promo. I don't know why they picked this guy. Now, I will give him credit that this dude got the lines right. He was able to do the Ric Flair lines. 
But when it came to actually, and, he, and I will say this, he looked apart. But when he came to actually like really doing the presentation, it fell off. And we were all looking at this. We were all watching this. It's like, no, this was horrible. This, this was horrible. Like, I think they did a good job when it came to, they did a good job when it came to like visuals with the, with the wrestlers that they pick. Like if you watch this and you watch something like young rock, cause if you watch young rock, they also, you know, get wrestlers that supposedly look like the original wrestlers of that time. And they do a fairly good job with that. But I felt like this movie did better. Like when he showed the scenes with the Freebirds, if you look at the guys who played the Freebirds, they didn't do a close up on them. They did a far away shot of them. So if you look at them from a far away shot, it does look like the actual Freebirds of that era. Um, you know, Michael P.S. Hayes, Bam Bam, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Rogers. It looks like them. They did a good job with that. They did a good job with a lot of visuals of people that look like the actual people. Um, they, they actually put an effort to make these guys look just like these guys. But when it came to that Ric Flair, uh, Flair scene, when he did the promo, he did the promo to a T. I'll give him that. But I guarantee you, you can find anybody to do that better than what this guy did. You can find a non-fan. I mean, a non-actor who is a fan of Ric Flair, who has watched Ric Flair for years and can do hey, There's a wrestler. If you're not a wrestling fan, you may not know this name, but wrestling fans do know this name. He's currently wrestling right now. A black, black wrestler, very famous, popular, one of my favorite wrestlers, Jay Lethal. He also calls himself Black Machismo, but he's a great impressionist when it comes to playing the role of Macho Man Randy Savage and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I challenge anybody to go on YouTube, type in Jay Lethal, Ric Flair. There's a scene he did it when he was working, when they both were working for the um, for uh, Total Nonstop Action, where him and Ric Flair were going back and back. And Rick, you know, part of the gimmick of Jay Lethal was that he was out of his mind and he would have multiple personalities and think that he's like the Macho Man or in this case, Ric Flair. And he did a spot on impression of the Nature Boy Ric Flair to the point that Ric Flair was going back like, are you imitating me? And they were just going back and forth. And it was one of the greatest moments in TNA history. One of the greatest moments ever. And this put, I mean, he was already on a map. Jay Lethal was already on the map, but that really set him straight because one, he did a spot on accurate Macho Man, you know, impression, but he did a, that Ric Flair deal was just phenomenal. But I know other wrestlers. I knew other people that could have done that role a lot better. So I don't know if that was a comedic, you know, scene for people, but it didn't come off the way it should have. I just did not like what the hell they did with that at all. And uh, a lot of people will agree. It, the, he got the lines right, but the betrayal was lacking in that. I will say, when I talk about the authenticity, I did like the fact that they did have the all the title belts, like the original, you know, big gold belt, not big gold belt, but like the original, you know, um, 
Sweet Charlotte, if you will, that Ric Flair would have. And Harley Race carried, you know, the NWA World Heavyweight title. Um, I like the fact that they had the NWA six-man titles, even though I don't think that those were around during the time when Devon Eric's won or whatnot. Um, but it was the act, those were the actual NWA six-man titles that the Road Warriors and Dusty Rose held um at one point and then the powers of pain held as well um when they beat them so i i loved 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 this is one of my i i, I love designing titles i made a few titles my title belts myself um so i love those titles i grew up loving title belt designs so you know for my life it's part of the reason why i do love wrestling is because the title belt designs well, this is why i have you know a few title belts replicas in here right now including one that I created, you know, I designed myself. But, um, you know, the authenticity part was great, but that Ric Flair was lacking. But overall, I think this movie was a love letter for all the wrestling, hardcore wrestling fans out there. And I'm saying hardcore wrestling fans. When I say hardcore wrestling fans, I mean the wrestling fans that not only love wrestling now, but they also love the wrestling of the past. They will go back and research history. They respect the history. They love the history. They know about the history. So when they watch this movie, they are very familiar with what's going to happen. I, I I mentioned, you know, at this screening that this movie was a lot like watching Titanic. You know what the hell is going to happen. You just want to see how they portray it. And I felt like they did a fairly good job, uh, above average job, if you will. There was just a few things that i just mentioned that i felt could have made this a spectacular film but they kind of dropped the ball because they rushed it i think 50 more minutes would have been very well told a fritz of the lance von eric situation of the carrie von eric bike accident of mike steph was okay but i think they even could have done it better um you know they they wanted to get to the carrie von eric part because by that point he was wrestling for the WWF and um, he and all the pain he was going through because of the amputated leg and all the stuff. And he was trying to hide it from people and everything. So um, they were trying to get to that part. But once you get past that middle section, the rest of it is, you know, it, it, it paces very well. But they were just rushing. It, it felt like the Game Awards when Jeff when Jeff Keighley was just rushing certain categories in. That's what this felt like in a lot of ways. But if you're a hardcore fan, I think you will appreciate the effort that was brought into this movie, I think is a, it was very worth well watching in theaters. Um, there is some sad, very sad moments in here. If you're not privy to the history of Von Eriks, you may actually find some emotional moments, but I, me personally, I don't want to say I'm jaded by it, but I've known about this history for so long, almost as much as I know about Martin Luther King's history, you know, where the point is like, I know what's going to happen. It's like, I've heard it too many times. I respect it. I understand it, but I, I can't get too emotional about it because I've already heard it too many times. Now, if they make a movie about Eddie Guerrero, that's a whole different thing. Because the other thing is too, is that although I was watching wrestling at the time, I wasn't really watching WCCW, even though it did air in here in Philadelphia, my area at the time, I was all NWA. So I wasn't totally reading the magazines at the time and all the stuff and you know i was i wasn't privy to all of the history of the vineyards until later on um but i did look back and watch this stuff i could watch this stuff on peacock right now to be honest and 
they, you know, they, you'll see all that happening. So, um, but I highly recommend not only just wrestling fans watch this, but everybody in general, anybody who doubts what, you know, what people go through in wrestling and the wrestling industry go through, especially during that era, watch this. It, I, I think people will find out how real wrestling is especially to those people who actually are in the industry and what they go through and in this case and you'll learn a lesson uh from you learn a lot of lessons coming out of this too you know as a parent um as a person on the outside looking in you'll find you'll find a lot of you'll learn a lot of lessons here probably as on what not to do in a lot of cases but i, I for the most part they did a really good job. I just think they uh, another hour would have helped flesh out some things and then focusing on certain other aspects of why uh, Kevin's wife, blame, you know, blames the father for a lot of what's been going on. It's like, yeah, you could blame it, but like the movie doesn't really kind of flesh out why um, in a lot of ways they do, but they, they somewhat do, but not to that point. It's subtle. And it's, this is not a movie that should be subtle especially when it comes to the antics of Fritz von Erich. So overall, I would get this a B plus. I thought it was that damn good, but not as good as it could have been. I think it fell short of being an Oscar worthy movie. Now, if it does get Oscar nominated, it probably be from people who've never been wrestling fans and just seeing what they see. But I would question the middle part of it. I don't know if that is enough. I don't know if they'll see through that and like, that felt rushed, especially if you know the Von Eric, Von Eric history. That felt rushed. So I don't know if they had time constraints or whatnot, but God, another hour would have done this movie wonders. Um, true indeed. So I give it a B plus. I am totally going to support this film again and watch it. Um, when it comes out digitally, I'll buy it again. It's a really well done. I thought the portrayal, the, the majority of performances here was really well done, especially just from the main cast in general. I thought they they knocked it out the park. I felt, as I knew and, and grew up, you know, watching the Von Erics, they felt like the Von Erics. I didn't, I, I wasn't taken out of the, I was not, uh, my, my disbelief was suspended, you know? Um, and I was totally into everybody being who they were in this. So if you are a hardcore fan of wrestling or a wrestling fan that just wants to know about this history, go out of your way to check this out. It was really well done. I will say, though, in addition to watching this movie, go check out the WWE documentary, but also go to find the other documentary, the Von Eric documentaries as well. Let me actually look in to see if I can find Eric. If I can find out the names of. Um, it's the Heroes of World Class. Is that the one? Yes. Okay. It is. I, I thought so. Um, the Heroes of World Class, the story of the Von Erics, and the rise and fall of the champion, uh, of world class championship wrestling. This is the one where it focuses on everybody, and you'll see footage by some of the classic um, wrestlers of the past, including Kevin Von Erich himself, who takes you into the actual sportatorium and talks about all that stuff. Um, there's also a dark side of the ring uh, that talks about the Von Erics as well, but that's an hour. Whereas, whereas the uh, Von Eric 
you know, documentary is two hours, 39 minutes. And it's very well detailed. Um, and in Kevin Von Eric is in there and talking about his only, like, I, I got to go back and watch that again. Um, but also WWE has their own as well that you need to check out. And that one was called, which one was that? And it should be on Peacock too. These triumph and tragedy of uh, world-class championship wrestling of uh, WCCW. That was, I believe the, yes, cause I'm on Peacock right now. So that's on there too. So the triumph and tragedy of world-class championship wrestling, which is on Peacock right now, that one is about an hour and 50 minutes, but also does a great job telling the story of the Von Ericks as well. So in addition to watching this movie, Go and watch those documentaries because you'll get a full understanding of everything. And then when you watch that, then you'll see what I'm talking about in terms of what they kind of rushed and which what they should have focused on. You would have seen it from there. But I thought they did a pretty damn good job paying homage to everything that was world championship, uh, world class championship wrestling. That was the Von Eriks and was the legacy that they brought. And I like the fact that there is a happy ending in this as well so by the way check it out it comes out in the theaters um on the 22nd which is around the same time aquaman uh comes out as well uh, so add that to your list of things that you need to go see it is very much worth checking out and it's very entertaining it's very tragic it's very uh dramatic it's a lot to enjoy and it's a lot to take in as well so folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live i hope you guys enjoyed it next week on select start we may actually have two things to review and talk about because i think this may be the last one i do for the holiday season i might take a break and you may be hearing some flashback um episodes some rewind episodes if you will because i'm going to take a break for the holiday season but the final fantasy 16 expansion echoes of the fallen uh i'm currently playing that right now because it dropped um on the game awards uh during the night of the game awards so i'm currently playing that right now and the god of war ragnarok valhalla free dlc that they drop as a gift a holiday gift for the fans that helped make that one of the best games of 2022 is coming as well so i'll be uh you know probably doing a dual review of both of those expansions and uh give you my thoughts on that as well as any other news that comes by from there so and then of course can't wait for this the premiere of yu yu hakusho on netflix is coming in it boy if all those episodes are coming out i am binging every one of them. I think it's like six episodes hour each i am going to binge my ass off of those films i cannot wait they've been hyping this up so greatly they've been showing clips of all the characters from the show and oh i'm so excited about this so we will be talking about that on sunday's show which i again i will believe will be the final new shows before the holiday season and then rewind episodes will follow that as well uh so stay tuned for that and much much more folks if you love this episode and every episode of talk time live please keep supporting keep supporting us actually by visiting our official website to this show and that's talktimelive.com there you can find all of the audio episodes of the past archive episodes are all on there easy for you to find via the search engine all of our exclusive interviews also in audio and video 
which you will see in there as well. We have media content panels that I've worked with on Repop starring some of uh, as I host with some of your favorite anime actors out there um, and the big ones too, very big ones. We're talking My Hero Academia, we're talking Bleach, we're talking OG Pokemon, all there. Go out of your way, check it out. Uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, we got you. And uh, we also got that there. We also have blog content as well with stuff that you'll love and enjoy theirs too. Some exclusive Q and A's from panels of, you know, um, New York Comic Con and Fan Expo that I had this year. Peter Cullen, uh, Robert Kirkman, Ed, uh, Ed Boone. It's all there. Go out of your way, check it out as well. Among some other things that you may find and like. And then you can check out all of our audio episodes if you want to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platform. We're pretty much everywhere where podcasts are played. I'm talking Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cash, you name it, we're there. Keep us going, keep us growing. And by the way, I know there's a lot of groups out there, but we got our own group. We're trying to rebuild our village here, but we're trying to rebuild it with quality people. We're trying to rebuild it with people who are not afraid to, to find new friends, to interact with people, to have a subtle, fun conversation about your favorite fandoms. We got it. The ACMG Facebook group, we're rebuilding because the last one got hacked into. Uh, we lost a few thousand people of that one. We're trying to rebuild as much as possible. Uh, I'm all about quantity. I mean, quality versus quantity. But if we just happen to gather a quantity of quality people, I'm all for it. Please check out and fill out the form of our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ACMG2. And uh, please go out of your way, check it out. And you'll always find some content there, some quality content on that page that you not see on a lot of other pages. Where the others have quantity, they like the quality. We got the quality, we just need the quantity. So <laughs> come in and check us out there. And uh, always enjoyable, always playful, always a great time with those guys. And we often tr will try to tend to have live gatherings as well, like we did when we all, or a couple of, a few of us went to go see the Marvels. That was always a fun and I'm hoping to do more as time goes by and really make it a, an environment that we can all have fun with, not just use it to, as a pillow to scream at into people. And we don't want to argue with people. We just want to enjoy each other's company. That's what it should be all about. So don't be afraid to be a friend, especially when you're an adult out there. So, folks, that will do it for me on behalf of myself. This is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week, people.